Welcome to the Young IPA Podcast. I'm James. This is Pete. G'day, everyone. Now, it is the 23rd of January, and this is episode 142. Loaded show coming up. Because uh, here's what we've got. We've got Dr. Anthony Dillon on the show, and we've also got Dr. Bella Debrera on the show, and also sitting next to us for the people watching on YouTube. So two doctors. Pete, we are learned scholars. Wow. And we uh, keep counsel with other learned scholars. I hadn't thought about this this week, but yeah, we have got two doctors on the show. We better lift our game. Uh, we have lifted our game because we oh. are learned scholars, Pete. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Pick us up. Uh, all right. And it is going to be an Australia Day themed episode. There's a lot that we need to discuss, uh, which is why we've got Bella on at the mm. start of the show, because the IPA commissioned a poll on people's attitudes towards Australia Day, and it's come back, and we'll talk about that. And then we're also going to be talking to Dr. Anthony Dillon about, you know, the fact that the only thing that gets brought up when you talk about Indigenous affairs every year is Australia Day. Yeah. So what are those issues that we should be talking about? And Anthony is awesome as always on that. We've got a bunch of other stuff on the show. Anything you're looking forward to, Pete? Uh, mate, I, look, I sort of always say my hero to this question, but oh, I do like my hero this week. He's going to be great. Okay, fantastic. Ooh, gave it away. Gave it away. Gave but it is away. But uh, all right, so we'll figure out who that is <coughs> soon. But Dr. Bella DeBrera, she's with us right now. Welcome to the show. Thank you. It's so, lovely to be back. Thank you. Uh, and you're also on the quiz, which is uh, something we're all looking forward to. But let's talk about it because the poll comes back in. We get a whole bunch of media on it. We'd even do a video, which I think we have a taste of right now. 71% of us want to continue to celebrate Australia Day on the 26th of January. So on this day, the 26th of January, enjoy being free. Happy Australia Day. And let's talk about some of the stats because uh, the stats, as I see them, the main ones, 71% of Australians support Australia Day being celebrated on January 26. Only 11% think the date should actually be changed, but everyone else sort of being, uh, I don't know. Uh, even more interesting to me was it was 57% of young people support keeping the date where it is and only 18% of young people want to think about, uh, so only 18% of people want it changed, which is definitely not the media narrative which every year, which shows that like you know the media would have you believe that all young people just want it changed immediately but it's actually 57 percent. so bella what are your main takeaways from this poll uh yeah so my main takeaways are that it just exposes this huge divide that is is very evident in australian society and english society and american society where you have the general populace thinking one way and a very um vocal and very um a- activist elite minority thinking another way and, and and what I what I find interesting about the Australia Day poll is it, it is that we're told throughout the year how bad we are we're told that we have to think badly of ourselves it's this kind of you know scourging our, our ourselves about how terrible we are how terrible our history is and and it just doesn't it doesn't work it doesn't work it's not working because every year that we do the poll that comes back majority um, of Australians mainstream Australians are proud to be Australian proud of our history you know yeah, People I'll give aren't those, walking around their heads, in, walking around, you know, hanging their heads in shame. Yeah, I'll give those stats. So it's uh, 71% of people believe Australia has a history to be proud of, only 13% disagree, and 70% believe there should be less political disagreement about Australia Day and only 11% disagree. And it just, like, it, it keeps going around that same sort of mark where there's only, like, 11 of 15% of yeah. people that want yeah. the day changed that think Australia has to be ashamed of its history and aren't proud to be Australian. So, Pete, did you have anything you want to throw in? I'm with Bella. I think it's really pleasing when you get results like this and you think, oh, it's great that people aren't ashamed to be Australian. Now, Bella, you, as a result of this poll, mm. our Prime Minister was asked about Australia Day. Did that make you feel pumped that you'd made such big impact? And what did you make of his response? Oh, I was, I was really pleased. I was really chuffed, um, to say it in a very non-Australian way. Um, <laughs> they, the, the, the fact that you know, the poll was mentioned on, I think, was it Sunrise? Was it yeah. Sunrise? 
Um, and he just, he was right. He just said that there is no debate. And he's right. There is no debate. The Australians aren't debating whether they like Australia Day, whether it should be kept. It's just this, we're basically pushing it back, back against this narrative. And um, th I think one of the most impressive results is that 85% of Australians are proud to be Australian. That's mm. a huge number. And that's the same across all age groups. That wasn't just, you know, 65 plus. That was um, 18 to 24 year olds. As I say in the film, 82% of them are proud to be Australian. So that's a complete, you know, opposite to this this narrative that we keep hearing about how young people are pessimistic and they hate the country and they want to go and live somewhere else. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a lie, basically. So with Scott Morrison now being asked about your question, we have mm. a new entry into famous people that have like have Ooh, yes. or we most likely have engaged with Bella, Bella de Brera content. So mm. we have oh, – sorry, we have now Scott Morrison with this. We have the Queen uh, reads The Times, I think it yes, was. Yes. And she Bella had an article in The Times. There's a third one I'm forgetting. Jordan Peterson. Jordan Peterson. That's right. All right, sorry, yeah. rank them. Queen, Jordan Peterson, Ooh, Scott so Morrison. So easy. Queen. Yeah. Jordan Peterson. Jordan Peterson. <laughs> Queen Jordan Peterson. What's the gap between Queen Scott and Jordan Morrison. Peterson? It's a, it's it's a, it's like do I need a bus to get to between need, them? Can I walk it? Is it a private jet? Private jet. Yeah. Not even a regular jet. <laughs> no, a private jet. We're landing in something that's not an officially Lots sanctioned airfield. Yeah. All right. I think the next thing for Bella has to be Trump. You got to get in front of Trump. Oh, yeah. Well, somehow, there we go. Somehow. Now I've got one more question, James. Before yes. we move on, uh, in this video you looked like a sort of modern day, you know, you're striding through the Australian mm. outback, you look like a modern day jackaroo, if you will. <laughs> Did this individual inspire you in the production of this video? <laughs> G'day, I'm Russell Coit and this is my backyard, the Aussie outback. Uh, he was my. He's been my hero for a long time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I can. I can tell. I can tell. <laughs> the amount of meetings that have to be delayed because Bella's got to catch up on the Russell Court adventures. Yeah. <laughs> All right. The other part for me is uh, different about this year is a lack of media coverage before our poll came out about Australia Day because you think about like how intense some of the debates have been in the past. Now. In one sense, that's because the Australian media landscape has, rightly so, been dominated by bushfire coverage the last couple of weeks. But I also start to think, has changed the date had its time? Like, I don't think it's... Uh, have we reached peak change the date? Yeah, I think we reached peak change the date last year, um, actually. And I think um, after we released our poll results last year, which were similar to, to the ones that we released this year, we, I think we kind of killed the debate. Yeah. <laughs> um, and... Um, the, I, I think the bushfires has also has a lot to do with it. It obviously dominated the everyone's lives for for a couple of months, and I think something like that really focuses the minds on what's important. Um, mm. And you know, as Jacinta Price always talks about, the changing the date is just completely irrelevant to to what the indigenous communities actually <laughs> need to be talking about. Exactly. And yeah. similarly here, you know, people losing their homes, people losing livestock, people losing their livelihoods. Why, why would you be talking about whether we need to change the date of Australia Day on the twenty sixth? Yeah. Uh, absolutely right. Yeah. All right. So, uh, Bella, your poll and your article, that's both available on ipa.org.au. You can watch Bella talk about her results in the video we filmed where she, in, uh, what is it, embraces the spirit of Russell Coit on our Facebook page. I think that's also on our Twitter, fe uh, Twitter page and also our YouTube channel. So, Bella, thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks, Bella. <laughs> That, of course, is the snort of freedom. So we've uh, lost Bella for the rest of this. <laughs> She's walked out because of the snort. No, but that is a snort of freedom, the grunt the pig snort. Uh, this is where we do our heroes and villains of the week segment, people that have stood up for liberty and then stood up against liberty. So, Pete, who is your hero of the week? Well, good question, James. I said at the top of the show, this was one of my favourites for the show today. His name is Lawrence Fox, British actor, went absolutely bunter this week. And a big hello to what? us. 
is that? <laughs> it means going crazy. Uh, and South Australian slang. Actually. Oh, really? So okay. Big hello to our South Australian listeners. Yeah, especially the ones from 1932 <laughs> when that was last said. Come on, man. Uh, he went bunter this week on wokeism on Question Time in the UK, which is the Australian version, the British version of Q&A, really. Yep. Uh, now, he's basically... And up. usually just as insufferable. But this one was good. This one was good, yes. It's, yeah, imagine this happening on Q&A. If that's, that's the level of what we're talking about here. Now, he's like a moderately successful actor and musician, right? Let's not get carried away. And to be fair, I hadn't heard of him prior to this Nor week. had I. But did note he was married to Billy Piper. Now, let's be really... No, oh, sorry, I'm starting to read the quote. Now, oh, sorry, I've got a clip for it. <laughs> yeah, obviously, as an actor, you, you have to fly well, I, all carbon, over the place. Yeah, the carbon footprint's huge, but we, we make up for it by preaching to everyone how they should change their <laughs> So, yeah, fantastic stuff there about climate change from Lawrence Fox. Now, he went on to have an exchange with someone in the audience about institutional racism. You know, this woman was trying to say, she turned out to be an academic, she, she was saying that Meghan Markle got the boot because of racism. He said that's not true. England's one of the most... Uh, he said it was one of the most lovely countries in Europe. Uh, and as a result of this on Question Time, he was basically all over the British press for the, for the last week, yep. just going nuts and just taking pot shots at everyone. He got into a verbal with Lily Allen, where Lily Allen said that he should stick to the acting, which is you know a, an extraordinary lack of self-awareness. Well, to be fair, her. Lily Allen doesn't act, so she can say stick to the acting. <laughs> that is true. That is true. Let's give her, let's give her that one. Uh, what was the other one that I really wanted to talk about? Oh, yeah, he said that he doesn't date woke women. Right, and he apparently broke up with his last girlfriend because they had a difference of opinion over the Gillette ad. Uh, it seems a bit... Bit much. There might yeah. have been other issues as well anyway. You'd hope so. <laughs> In a sense, you'd really hope there was something a bit more yeah, yeah. than the reaction to yeah, a 30 that second off, actually, yeah. uh, So uh, that, that was pretty funny. Um, look, he just went absolutely nuts. Google him. His tw- Twitter followers have tripled over the last week. And uh, yeah. Yeah, so uh, I always go with these things, and we, you know, we've done this before, but it's like I can't... Uh, on one hand, get annoyed when an actor or a celebrity spouts out something that I don't agree with, and I mm. go like, "All right, mate, no one asks." Uh, but then also praise someone that's on my side. But this mm. cli- these clips were actually really good. Like mm. it was genuinely awesome. Yeah. And the stuff he was saying was just so non-controversial, but everyone's freaking out about mm. it, and just so real. That's exactly right. And I did want to say because we can't show more, we can only show one. There is a there there are heaps of them. Google Lawrence Fox's best moments on. BBC Question Time. After the show's over, though, don't do it now. Yeah. Just after the show. Or just come back. Yeah. No, we're not going to tell you what to do, but just come we'll back. Just We've already got the download. We don't need them anymore, yeah, but we okay. do want you. We don't, don't go anywhere. Uh, all right. Uh, my hero this week is Grace Jones. Now, the Wiggles, they were having a – this is a non-political one. Sorry. The Wiggles were having a bushfire relief benefit gig. They got the whole old band back together. They haven't, you know, been on stage together for a while, mm. uh, especially not as, like, you know, the Sunday morning show, I guess. But anyway, I was a big Wiggles fan when I was a kid. Mm. and uh, they were having the show and Greg, the yellow wiggle, the staple of many a childhood out there, uh, had a cardiac arrest and Grace Jones, who is a 23-year-old nurse, uh, well, I'll let her explain it. And then someone handed me the defibrillator. Um, I got someone else to take over doing CPR and I attached the defibrillator to him Um, and then we shocked him. She was working on, like, from the article here, so she worked on page for 20 minutes before paramedics arrived. Are you serious? Saved his life. They said, uh, because there was no, there were so few deliber- uh, defibrillators around, I don't know how to say that name, so, you know, well done Grace Jones for not only knowing what that is, but also being able to use it. Uh, there's usually a 6% chance of survival in Australia, and wow. uh, so because she was there, because she was um, so calm, 
And, uh, you know, I don't want to live in a world without the yellow wiggle. Uh, that is my hero of the week. Uh, Grace Jones said, I don't think of myself as a hero. You are a hero. Definitely You're my hero. hero of the week. Well done, Grace. On you, Grace. That's fantastic stuff. Now, you are a big fan of the Wiggles as a child, as you said, I was. Uh, my fun fact is when I was living in Hong Kong, I went to a Wiggles gig where there were only about 80 people in the crowd. And for people that are of my age, they will know how rare that is as a ticket. That is quite something. 80. That's pretty good. Yep. Uh, uh, <laughs> must have been quite a thrill for you, James. Oh, I was. Something to say? Oh yeah, I just you told that to me during the week, and I as like this big story, and I was sort of like I thought that all their gigs had eighty people, but apparently oh, that's really good. Thousands, so, Pete. Congratulations, James. Yeah. I know you missed the Wiggles, but uh, <laughs> trust me, staple of your childhood. All right, uh, let's go over to villains of the week. Uh, so for, for people that have uh, stood against the freedom, stood against everything that Grunt the Pig stands for. Pete. Exactly right. Well. I've got this week Deloitte Access Economics. They do a quarterly business outlook, so don't, that sounds boring. They, like, <laughs> you're losing me. <laughs> Get the defibrillator. Don't switch off. Get the uh, defibrillator. I'm out. So now this quarterly business outlook you have to pay oh, for. Oh, you said it again. <laughs> you have to pay for it, so obviously I haven't read it. Yeah. But uh, they had quotes from it in the Canberra Times, uh, and it's about the ACT and about how the ACT is doing really well, blah, blah, blah. Yep. It said, the ACT remains the little territory that could. The territory is showing the rest of the country how it's done. Its share of national economic output has risen to 2.2%. Its largest ever. Oh, well done, ACT, 2.2%. Give them the biggest participation award in the world. Uh, now, what else happens? So, Deloitte, stop sucking up to the ACT just so you get more government contracts. That's clearly what's going on here. It's very transparent. We can all see it. But there's, a, but there's more. That's the first part. The second part of this is this quote that came out of the report that was reported in the paper because I didn't get the report. This isn't a major downturn. Population growth is too strong for that and house prices never did the pump and dump seen in Sydney or Melbourne. The pump and dump, James, was in... It's now, just a regular economics phrase used thought, all the time. I thought that some Deloitte grad had just gone absolutely rogue in the media department <laughs> and thought, you know what, we need to get a little bit more spicy. Yep. We're going to put pump and dump in the report. So I Googled it. Right, and obviously the urban dictionary thing comes on a work computer. <laughs> yeah, I'm a cultural researcher. All right, anything that I search on at work is part of my research. Urban dictionary comes up, obviously, with the uh, you know definition of mediocre casual sex. Then the next one, there's other forms. <laughs> no comment. And then the next one is uh, apparently it's an economics thing, right? Uh, denoting the fraudulent practice of encouraging investors to buy shares in a company in order to inflate the price artificially and then selling one's own shares while the price is too high. Those saucy financial people. Who knew that pump and dump had a legitimate thing? So what's your point here? <laughs> just, anyway, the first point the, was the main point. The first point's the main point. The other part for me is like, uh, you know, this like idea of uh, Canberra being, uh, the ACT being the little engine that could. Mm. Yeah, when you funnel this much money yeah. into the public services the government does, yeah. like, oh, blow me away that one, one territory does a bit better than the, all the other states. What an example to the rest of us. Yeah, it's like, uh, it's like a David and Goliath story, but David has an AK-47 and Goliath can't use his arms. Like, yeah. well done, Canberra. Uh, yeah. All right, so my villain this week is David Leavitt, who is a Twitter uh, journalist. He says he's from <laughs> CBS News, but he isn't. So riddle with that. But he does have 210,000 followers. Yeah. Sorry, just to give you an idea of this guy, when this guy posts up a photo... 210,000 people get it in their feed. It's a big deal on Twitter. Now, he is. In, this is the photo he chose to tweet out this week. So he's in Target. He sees that there is a, uh electric toothbrush that is usually on sale for $89, but a label has it as 0.01 cents. Takes it to the kiosk. He is told that's a labeling error. I can't sell it to you that. He then takes a photo of the retail worker, tweets it out saying she won't 
honor the law. I want to use, because his wording is just so you want to punch this guy. So this target manager, Tory, is not honoring the price of their items per Massachusetts law. So people are seeing her photo on screen now. And then here's the full thread. I just had to call the police because Target refused to sell me the toothbrush. I did not call 911. I called the business number for the police and told them it was not an emergency. They could take their time and explain the situation. The police verified Target displayed the price of the toothbrush uh, for one cent. The store manager, Tori, refused to sell me the toothbrush for the displayed price. The t- police said I need to sue them and they asked them making me a verified report to take to court. Corporations like Target are not above the law. The police officer told me they desperately... <laughs> Police officer told me they'd testify that they saw the price and that the manager wouldn't sell me the price, uh, the item for the price as listed. Great day for David. Great speaking truth to power that his poor target manager has to do it. Anyway, there is a happy ending to the story because uh, Twitter users that were like, "Why the hell would you take a photo of some, you know, target manager and two hundred ten thousand people because you couldn't get a toothbrush?" And uh, over thirty thousand dollars was raised to give this woman a holiday, just so she didn't have to, just as a return for having to deal with this guy. Well, that is fantastic. And this, if this guy's got two hundred thousand followers, yeah, just pay eighty nine bucks, mate. Just pay eighty nine bucks. <laughs> That's out of control. Well, like, come on, mate. That is unbelievable. Imagine so, calling the police business number, <laughs> just in general. Yeah. Hang on. Will I stop people murdering each other? <laughs> yeah. Yes, sir. Yeah. Well, yeah. if I got a doozy for you, dude. All right, uh, that is it. Uh, yeah, this is one of those ones where the internet is so often terrible that it's awesome when it's actually good. All right, uh, that is it. Uh, let us now go to our interview with Dr. Anthony Dillon. Yeah. Okay, we now welcome on to the show Dr. Anthony Dillon from the Australian Catholic University. Dr. Anthony Dillon, welcome to the show. All right, uh, so you are one of the stars of the IPA's Race Has No Place mm. video, which we came out with uh, with Jacinta Price, Lorraine Finlay, and Senator James McGrath. People, if you haven't seen it already, it's on all of our websites, on all of our social medias as well. Uh, so we'll start with Indigenous recognition. So what were your uh, central uh, objections to it? Okay. Um, many Indigenous people these days just get on with life, um, whether they be in the city uh, or in remote areas, and obviously those ones in remote areas are finding it difficult, more difficult to get on with life. But many of them aren't after recognition. I mean, they, they really feel secure within themselves, who they are. Uh, they feel recognised. Um, they've got other issues to deal with. So, um, you know, I just think, okay, if that is going to be a issue to deal with, surely there are a lot more important ones to deal with first. So shift that down, but it seems to be one of the highest priorities. Mm. Uh, so one of the things, like uh, you wrote an article in the Spectator Australia recently about it, and I absolutely loved it. And one of the ones you talked about was like uh, there's this belief now that Indigenous Australians are just this homogenous group, and they all have one individual voice, uh, one individual, uh, sorry, one collective voice. Mm. And that's just like it's not the way it is and it's not the way for any race group in the world like everyone's an individual uh i thought that was really interesting yes yeah um you know and if you homogenize them then it's easy to have a, a leader who can you know rise and claim to speak on their behalf so we need to point out that they're no different to non-indigenous people um you know there's disagreements um between non-indigenous people on a whole range of topics mm-hmm. um that affect them personally and not so personally and so it is for Indigenous people. They have very different views on a whole range of topics. All right, so another thing in the piece that I really loved was a bit where you said, the call for an Indigenous voice is edging closer to separate development and separatism. So what's bad about separatism and what's bad about separate development? Um, I think I gave another quote there. Um, 
there was a physicist, David mm-hmm. Baum, who said you know, all problems stem from the belief in you know separateness be, mm-hmm. uh, between individuals. Uh, the good book says a house divided against itself cannot stand. Um, so, yes, I, I respect and promote individuality, but you know, collectively we need to um, not have this group and that group. Um, or at least not not make them so strong. You know, it's it's great to have a, a men's group and a women's group and a group for older people and a group for younger people. But it shouldn't become a, such a strong division where each group is then almost seen as a di- separate species. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, if, if you could sum up my beliefs, my thinking in in one sense, it's something I always come back to with regard to Aboriginal and non-Aboriginal people. The commonalities between them far outweigh the differences. And the differences should only be considered and addressed after first accepting and understanding that the commonalities far outweigh the differences. Yeah, another thing with Indigenous recognition, I think, which is um, if, you, if the theory is that like Aboriginal people aren't getting enough representation in Australian Parliament when it's like a, you know one vote for an Aboriginal person and one vote for a white person, that's why you need the Indigenous voice department. But doesn't saying that you know, we need an extra voice sort of infantilise Aboriginal Australians mm. as well. It's sort of like, oh, you need more help. You can't make your own way in things. Yeah, look, w- where I live in Sydney, in um, uh, my suburb, the the local member there, she represents me. Okay, now, she's able to represent me even though she's female. She's able to represent me even though she's uh, a different age group to me. Um, I better say she, she knows who she is. She's younger than me. So. <laughs> um She's able to represent me even though she's not Indigenous. So I assume she's doing the job well because she's competent at it, not because she ticks some identity boxes. Right, and with the Race Has No Place video, now that bounced all around the country. It was very popular. It was a great video. As James said, you were one of the stars of the show. So as a response to that, we had uh, Ken Wyatt, the Indigenous Minister, say that we're engaging in bigotry as in the IPA, for making that video. How did that make you feel as an Indigenous person putting a point of view about this thing, you know, the Indigenous minister saying that? Yeah, no, look, it wasn't bigotry, and I admire Ken. And this is this is a great example of where Ken has a different view to me. You know, we're, we're both, we both have Indigenous ancestry, um, and we're disagreeing. Mm-hmm. But I admire the guy greatly. And so, you know, all I, all I can say is, Ken, I disagree with you on that matter, but I'm sure he and I are, are, are in greater agreement on the more important issues. But no, it wasn't uh, bigotry or, or racist or anything. Yeah, so th- th- that's the thing about this debate is that like, Ken White is a great guy and he's doing a lot of great work for Aboriginal Australians. Yeah, but uh, then and when, you know, people always say, oh, he's a great Indigenous man. How about he's just a great man? Yeah, exactly. I mean, he used to be a teacher, you know, he's been in the dirt. Great, great bloke. Yeah, but and then this debate comes along, and suddenly one side is you know bigot. So it just feels mm. like there's a level of respect that uh, we're losing when this debate gets so yeah. toxic. Look, I think what might happen is it is so easy um, for a video like that, which was you know basically sound, good message, that it does get picked up by some idiots. You know, you, you get some idiots who will who will then run with it and distort it. Yeah, and. You know, they could give it a bad name. But, you know, the actual video, the content itself was fine. Now, another piece of your another piece of your piece, which I loved, was the bit when you talked about there's a lot of Indigenous people in this country that are actually thriving. And, they, you know, they managed to do that without a voice. Maybe we should look to how those people did that to help other Indigenous people that aren't thriving. So how are 
Indigenous people thriving and, and why are they thriving and what should we take from that? Okay. Uh, very simply, there's three things that come to mind. The obvious ones, okay? Employment. Yep. So they're in places where there is employment opportunities. Um, education. So the kids are being educated. And third, I mean, this is so typical of my case too, great role models. So I had great Indigenous role models in my family. Um, and so for all those who are, and there's always exceptions, but generally speaking, those who are doing really well, they've got a job, they've been educated, and they've got great models, great role models to look to. Why don't you tell us about a few of your role models? Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, just all my, my father's family. Mm -hmm. uh, for example, my father himself, Australia's first Aboriginal police officer. Uh, not a title that he played up greatly, um, but, you know, it, it is what it is. And, um, you know, and, and he's a, you can check it out, but, you know, his achievements in the Queensland Police Force are amazing. Other people like Bess Price, you know. Um, again, another person at the front line um, who tells, tells it how it is. And then there's just um, many other quiet achievers, like particularly in my father's family, mm -hmm. um, my uncles and aunties and my grandparents, um, especially my grandmother, just, you know, a full-blooded Aboriginal woman. And now that is not an offensive term to those who want to take offence at it. Just the, the calmest woman you could ever meet. Just a very calm, simple, loving, caring person. Um, so, you know, I don't have a temperament, which I did, but it's something I'm, <laughs> I'm aiming to, <laughs> to try and have that um, total peace. Uh, people like Ken White, um, you know, who have done, done so well. Um, and, you know, even some of those um, Indigenous leaders, they get cold, who, uh, you know, they're called leaders whom, um, you know, much of what they say I don't agree with. I still have a lot of respect for them. I think, okay, at least you've made, made it. You know, you've worked yourself into a position of influence and I've got to respect that even if I disagree with uh, your views and arguments. Mm. I mean, uh, like, I'm kind of the same way, like, so many of my heroes and so many of my favourite artists <laughs> and authors are complete socialists, but you can just respect them for so many other reasons than, like, those mm. political views. Anyway, to bring it back to Indigenous recognition, like, the way that the media talks about Aboriginal affairs, like, there are only two topics that ever get brought up. It's either Indigenous recognition or, and we're releasing this closer to Australia Day, whether or not Australia Day should change. Uh, I don't know if whether you want to talk about Australia Day itself, sure. but, like, why... Are those two debates the ones that have caught the media's attention? Like, that's the only oxygen that ever gets put out. I guess it's... Um, they're convenient ones to talk about. Um, they're a nice distraction from the unmentionables. Child abuse, um, violence in Aboriginal communities, uh, you know, those sorts of things. We've all seen the images and uh, many people don't like to talk about those. So the other two... Um, they're easy to talk about and in a sense they're, they're easy easy to do, much easier to do than mm. tackle the issues of abuse, yeah. poverty, drunkenness, squalor, uh, unclean. You don't have to leave a big city to make a difference. No, exactly. You don't have to leave your computer social media account. <laughs> yeah. Yes, exactly, exactly. Um, you know, it's the same as when you get these keyboard wa warriors who just shout out, yeah, that's racist and I oppose it. Oh, I feel so good now. <laughs> you know, yeah, I th you know, I've that, done something today. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you've done 
sweet nothing. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> I've just added to the Twitter thing. All right, so because I, I genuinely get sick of it when uh, every year Australia Day rolls around and every politician cares about Indigenous issues for like three weeks and then they get to, you know, be, basically get away with it for the rest of the year. So let's talk about some real issues. Now, you've done a lot of work in mental health. That would be like one of your areas of research. Mm-hmm. And uh, when you think of like some of the issues that come up with Aboriginal affairs, like, uh, you know, well, drug and alcohol uh, dependency, which is affecting some communities, mm. I mean, that is a mental health issue, and as it is for any race. So do you want to talk about, like, what what are the central issues about mental health in Aboriginal Australians? Yeah. And then maybe, like, what are the other big issues that are out there that we should be talking about? Okay, with regard to the mental health, uh, there's two things that come to mind, and I've already touched on one of these before, jobs, okay? When you have... Uh, so jobs, there's more benefits coming from a job than, other than economic mm. benefits. I mean, it's good to have a job where you get a pay packet and you can buy fresh food and, you know, all that sort of thing. But just as importantly, having a job gives you a sense of purpose. Um, and you are con- when you have a job, you're contributing back to so- society. You're also <clears throat> learning, or hopefully you should be, you know, learning. Um, you know, we, whether it be on tr- training courses or... You know, learning on the job or something, you're getting to exercise the uh, <coughs> the brain. Mm-hmm. So those sorts of things. Um, and it just reminds you that, hey, I am connected to other people. It's not just about me, but when I have a job, you know, we receive products from this group, we produce this product, we give it to that group, we have these customers, we have these interactions. It reminds the person that they are part of the bigger whole. So employment is is very important. It has great psychological benefits um and you know if we want to end dysfunction and compromise mental health and suicide which is another big one when you get the adults working and the kids into school you will go a great way to reducing those other evils that i just mentioned i was going to say so what are the (coughs) what are the issues involved with that like how do we get to more employment how do we get to uh these areas that you're talking about yeah okay um (coughs) Well, let's talk about where it's most difficult, you know, the remote areas. Yep. That's where you, you need someone like Warren Mundine, you know, who specialises in enterprise and, and that sort of thing. You need to make some tough decisions. In some communities, um, if they're not viable, a, t- a tough decision needs to be made. Okay. When and how do you move the people on? And it has to be done in a sensitive manner. So I'm all for boosting that community by injecting funds, you know, if it's going to achieve an outcome or if it's likely to achieve an outcome. But there are some communities where you have to draw a line in the sand and say, okay, look, this one um, is, is really difficult. You know, the population is so low, um, maybe they would be better being shifted, not just ripped up and dropped in a concrete jungle. It's got to be done sensitively and that's quite a challenge. But they need to be in places where they and their children have the sorts of opportunities that you and I take for granted and the sort and, and the sorts of opportunities that the protesters take for granted. So, I mean, you see all these blacktivists out there and most of them have benefited from having a, a decent education. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so you need to, um, you know, address those people that are living in the, uh, the uh, remote areas. You need to deal with cultural protocols. So where you have... Indigenous people where you still have that culture of I've got to share with my family, for many of those people, uh, they think, what's what's the sense in getting a job if my family are only going to come around and expect their share? Mm. Um, so, you know, it's a disincentive. 
I'm glad you mentioned that because, like, uh, when I was 15 or 16 or something, we went on a school trip to the Northern Territory and I went to one of the schools that were being set up because our school was, like, sponsoring them. Uh, to It was, like, in a rural community and people, like, were going to school. And I just remember sitting in a classroom of 16-year-old, uh, you know, rural Indigenous kids who were still being taught the six times table through AFL scores. And I thought... Good way to learn. Yeah, but like, th- <laughs> but that's the gap. You're 16, you're getting mm. taught the six times tables and I'm on a school trip to the Northern Territory. Mm. Like, I, I, it, I just really remember thinking like, these are the opportunities that you get when you live in a big city yeah. that, that these kids will never be able to get. And that is a gap that's going to be so hard for them to overcome. Mm. Yeah, and look, again, living in a big city, I'm not saying that is the answer to everything, yeah. but living in a place where going to school is seen as normal, yep. watching parents work, is also seen as normal. We'll go a long way to helping these kids. Uh, so coming back to mental health, there was a second point I wanted mm-hmm. to make. Um, and that is, again, I've touched on it before, that connectedness with other people. So Aboriginal people need to stop seeing their lives solely in terms of their Aboriginality. Okay? Um, I look at myself. I'm male. I'm Queenslander. Um, Brisbane Bronco supporter. Yeah, <laughs> born in the sixties. I'm heterosexual. I, uh, you know, was raised with Christian values. All these things make up who I am, and, and I've got Aboriginal ancestry. I've got English ancestry. They all make up who I am, but not one of those things is everything. You know, it, my life does not revolve around any one of those things. And for far too long, um, Aboriginal status has been elevated so high that your life begins and ends with being Aboriginal. And when you view life through that lens of, you know, Aboriginal, not Aboriginal, separation can't help but be formed. So, yeah, be proud of your Aboriginality to the same degree that you're proud of your maleness and femaleness and and that you live in Queensland or you live in New South Wales or whatever. But see the commonalities between people and just relate to people as equals. Um, treat others as you treat yourself um, because the, re- the reality is your neighbour really is yourself. Mm. All right. Uh, I have one more question, uh, and that is uh, so. This is mainly for people who are watching on YouTube rather than listening. But Anthony's come in in a Brisbane Broncos jersey, and I'm very glad that I'm not the only person that's ever worn a sports jersey on this program or wore a Denver Nuggets jersey on the first day of the NBA season. Uh, so I don't know if you want to spend the last minute maybe trashing a rival or picking <laughs> up the Brisbane Broncos <laughs> season. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'll leave that to the expert. Uh, Dr. Anthony Dillon, thank you for joining us on the show. Thank you. Thank you very much. Okay, we've got another round of the quiz. Yeah. Uh, we have very loaded up panel. We have Gideon wearing the crown from last week. Gideon, director of policy here. He's put the crown down, which is an interesting move. I would yeah, have thought for, for, intimidatory, grabs, yeah. for intimidatory purposes, mm. I would have uh, maybe worn it the whole well, way through. But to be honest, it doesn't fit over my headphones and I can't be on my game if I'm balancing this head the crown on it my head. Distracting. You don't need to tell yeah. me twice. Yeah. This thing's not going to fit on people's heads. Uh, <laughs> we also have, uh, well, you know, fresh off the interv- uh, interview at the start of the mm. show, Dr. Bella Debrera. Thank you, back. thank you. And, uh, of course, as always, the Roof Seal, uh, the one-man trivia machine mm. that is Peter Gregory. Where does the Roof Seal motif come from? I've never understood that. Well, uh, it's a long story, but when I was younger, I climbed on a roof during a party. Oh, really? And, you know, people don't forgive you for your sins. And Just the one? Just the one roof? Just once or twice. I used to prank call the Roof Seal when I was a kid because the ads would come on late at night when you're you know, sleeping in somebody's house or whatever. You leave that seal alone. And I, no, I used to call up the Roof Seal and, they'd, and I'd say, I just want to report that my roof is fine and nothing needs to be done with it. No, yeah, I brought the house down. Uh, it's the Gideon Ross school. Starting comedy. 
<laughs> All right. Oh, imagine a young Gideon Rosner doing that. Anyway. Okay, focus up. All right. Uh, sorry, for people whose uh, quiz this is and they're listening at home, this is the first time. It is one point for a correct answer, one point for an incorrect answer. Mm. We've got nine Minus questions one point. and then a... What did I say? You just said one point again. Oh, well, <laughs> say whatever you want, you get a point. <laughs> say whatever you want. It's as long as it anyway. Then we've got the who am I at the end. Uh, all right, sorry. Question one from our Australia Day poll. Oh, okay. Yeah, I just think the, Bella. The, the one the that Bella commissioned. Yeah, and then, oh, well, God. I would have thought as director of policy that Gideon Rosner would be across this. Oh, you, you assume too much. <laughs> all right, so from our Australia Day poll, what percentage of Bella. people. Oh, that is just a massive flex. Sorry, go, Bella. Um, go on, 11%. Is incorrect <laughs> because the question is from where Australia Day poll, what percentage of people want to keep Australia Day <laughs> on January 26? Gideon, 71 percent. Uh, that is correct, <laughs> yeah. is what you get. All right, trying to be you, should really be you should really be more on top of this. You, you commissioned the uh, the research now. Question two, what percentage of people want to change the date? Bella, Bella. have your point. 11 there we go. Back to zero. Can we fact check that? All right, uh, sorry, question three now, uh, the New South Wales Environment Minister. Caused a bit of a stir this week when he said that the Liberal Party were in disarray over climate change. Now, what's that guy's name? Get him. Get him. Boy Wonder Matt Keane. Matt Keane is correct. I had absolutely no idea who he was. No. And I did love <laughs> the, the uh, Scott Morrison. Yeah, the Scott Morrison quote. Like, I don't know if anyone in our cabinet knows who that is. But Gideon does. So, yeah. points to Gideon. Sounds like you've got to be keen. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, all. <laughs> there will be no more, more quiz. More like Matt Green, am I there right? There will be no more show. That is it. Let's ring, uh, the, let's ring the roof seal. <laughs> Good Lord. All right. Question four. How many Australian Opens has Roger Federer won? Oh, who knows? Bella. Bella. Oh, gosh. Um, ten. That is incorrect. Roof, roof. Roof, roof. Give us a nice half a dozen. That is correct. Oh, Six. Oh, it's only two. It's four off. All right. uh, uh, just, you know, the casual I'm four. a sport, ag- sport agnostic. <laughs> sport agnostic. All right. Uh, now, there's a town in Australia mm. that is home to a giant statue of Donald Trump's uh, head. Gideon. Bu- Ballarat now. It is correct. Ballarat. Yep. Uh, any plans for a road trip up there, Well, Gideon? this is the thing. that It, it was actually it's supposed to be a, a, a derisive piece of art that, you know, makes him look evil and all sorts of other things. I hope that it becomes like a holy pilgrimage place for like Trump fans <laughs> to actually go and check out this enormous... And, and you can actually sit inside Donald Trump's brain. I mean, who wouldn't <laughs> want that experience? What do you reckon like is in there, though? Like, not the no, statue. No, I've seen the, the photos of it. It's like it's flames of like the flames of hell. It's, oh, it's, right. it's, oh, it's a bizarre piece of art. But as I said, I'd go and see it. If yeah, I'm you here. could do better than that, I reckon. You could kick that off. Gideon. Yeah, yeah. Just head down Next there. time in regional Australia. Uh, yeah, regional it's an IPA general members event, uh, the road trip. All right. Uh, now, uh, what is the name of the mysterious new virus Bella. coming out of... Oh. Coronavirus. Coronavirus oh. is correct. Symptoms include being too relaxed in the summer. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you can protect yourself by dog and the boys. He's been waiting all week to say that. I've said it about 25 times. <laughs> uh, Never gets old. All right. Uh, question seven or whatever we're up to. I've lost track. Uh, what has the Swedish public deemed the Gideon. biggest... Climate change. Climate change is indeed the answer. The Swedish public called it the biggest waste of taxpayer money. Quiet oh, Swedes. 2019. Good Quiet Swedes. Good on the Swedes. Swedes. Good on the Swedes. So just think like Greta Thunberg, if she's going to tell the whole world how to be, she really needs to start at home. Yeah. And, uh, Do you think Sweden she's just going to go to the middle of Stockholm and just go, how dare you, how dare you, how dare, <laughs> how you? dare you, to just random punters in the street? I mean, someone has to be told. All right, mm. so uh, score check. Bella is on zero, Gideon is on four, and Pete is on one. No, Gideon I'm not on is, zero. I think you got two right, but you've also got two wrong. You had Roger Federer mm. wrong and you had okay. the Australia Day first. I got 
so worried there. <laughs> it's good. I got worried because I've lost the dunce hat. <laughs> so, anyway, yes, lost it. We'll find that next week. Uh, all right. So, question eight. Uh, Hillary Clinton said of this person, nobody likes them and nobody Gideon wants Bennett. to work with them. Bernie Gideon. Sanders. Bernie Sanders is correct. That is what a about big game today. This is this You're is great. Good. I wish I was this good at my job. <laughs> That Don't is a bit rich coming yeah. from Hillary Clinton, by the way. Oh, yes. Well. Uh, is she running? That's not a question on the quiz, but <laughs> I will always kind of think in the back of my head. Is she running? Can she? Uh, she can. She's leaving it a little she's bit She's leaving it very yeah. late, but yeah. uh, when I you've got the financial back as she, is, she does. Yeah, well. All right. Uh, last question before we get into the who am I in mm. which city did Trump overnight give his speech on? Bella. Bella. Davos. Davos. Oh, yeah. That was a good one. It was. That was seriously uh, good. The old uh, stop listening to the prophets of doom. Yeah, and mm. she was sitting in the audience, the yes. prophet of doom. Well, there's so more than one. There's, right. There is yeah. definitely uh, more than one prophet of doom out there. Prophetess. Right. Uh, okay, so coming to the who am I, we've got Bella on one, we've got Pete on one, we've got Gideon on five. Ooh. It is Gideon's to lose. So for anyone for the outright win, and I, again, I did not do a tiebreaker question, so for anyone for the outright win, you're going to have to get it off the five-pointer, which is <laughs> I died 55 years ago this Friday. Well. Mm. Mm. I wonder who that could be. Let's think, let's think out loud. Let's 2020 think. minus 55. 55 yeah, years so ago. My maths is lousy. Um, 65. 965. That is correct. Cool. I win. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you mean this year 1965. Bella, do we have any guess? Bella. Bella. Oh. Was it? Oh, here we go. Here we go. This would George be amazing. Orwell. It was not. Oh. It was not George I was worried there. That was a, that was a point reasonable guess. Right. Uh, so, Pete, uh, you're the only person. That can now even tie it with Gideon. He's going to guess it now as well. I would, so. I would wait for the next. I don't know who it is, so yep. I'll take it to the next one and back myself in the penalty shootout. Here we go. No, no. How does that work? You need to get the five to draw level or to. He draws level, which would take us to well, a penalty we shootout. He's on five. He's on five. You're on one. Yeah. yeah. yeah so so sorry, four. the next one. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. We're in furious agreement with each <laughs> other, as always. Uh, I was born in 1874 in the UK. Oh. Um. It's hard to think of people in that time frame. Oh, well. You got anyone? I suspect I know who it is, but I'm not going to risk uh, going backwards. That would be a very I'm smart decision. Defensive. All right, mm. sorry. So that's what I like about this game. It involves strategy yes. as well as uh, You've got to outthink your opponent gotta, as well gotta, as the quiz master. you got to work smart and hard. Because the second part's really easy. Yeah. Uh, all right, so Gideon is now officially returning champion. Well done. Mm-hmm. Sorry, for three points, I was a prisoner of war in the Boer War. Gideon. That Ooh. is a mouthful. My guess is Winston Churchill. And you'd be correct. Ah. Oh, I that. Gideon with an eight. Uh, it's because I was watching The Crown last night. Yeah. yeah, there we go. Gideon with an eight. It's probably the highest score we've ever had, I want to say. It was ah. around where a lot of people got a That's very a feather high in score. my cap. I got minus one. Uh, maybe. Hmm. All right. <laughs> Don't know, maybe. Thank yeah. you, Pete. All right, Good sweet. job, Gideon. Uh, so, put your Gideon, crown back on. Uh, you can put the crown back on as it definitely does not perfectly fit, but it does look good on you. I think yeah. <laughs> you really... Yeah. It's got a regal nature. Thank you. I might just start wearing around the office. Yeah, well, I'm not saying no. All right, sweet. We've got more show for you guys coming up after this. Okay, congratulations to Gideon for the quiz championship. Pete, sorry to miss out on uh, pretty, you know, it got close there at the end. Gideon's pretty good. Gideon's pretty good. All right, uh, let's fly through three stories that have made us laugh this week. Now, this is, uh, we haven't done this one for a while. We wanted to bring it back. We have brought it back. And we brought it back on a good one, if I may say. So this is a Q&A clap. Yep. Can I, I just, okay. <laughs> Thank you. Um, this is where we uh, just, you know, give someone who's given a, 
blanket statement of just nothingness that would always get an applause on Q and A. Mm. We just want to make sure that they actually do get that Q and A clap yeah. because that's why people well, that's what people get up out of bed for. They want to be applauded by the Q and A audience. Now this week uh, we're giving the Q and A clap to the New York Times editorial board. They don't get enough pats on the back. They do not get enough pats on the back. So the New York Times in editorial board endorsement of a Democratic candidate is actually a big deal in the Democratic race. Like mm. if you can get the New York Times on board, it gets you a lot of press and it gets you a lot of like, oh, this is what the serious people want. All the candidates uh, a few months ago sat down with the New York Times editorial board. They got questioned by them on record and off record. And then New York Times goes away and makes a decision. Um, so, and then they come out. Now, every year, it has just been one person that they that they acknowledge. Yeah, forever. Now, forever. Yeah. It's just been like, this is our candidate. Except for this year. And I want you, Pete, okay. to spot the similarity in the two people that they come up with. Yeah. It is Elizabeth Warren. Okay, yeah, that's a And surprise. Amy Klobuchar. Oh, interesting. Now, what, are you, what strikes you immediately? Uh, they both hate America. <laughs> <laughs> Rough. Because I was going to say, yeah, well, Rough. obviously, <laughs> obviously, obviously it's, but they're both women. Yes. And that the reason Tulsi Gabbard didn't also get endorsed was because she doesn't hate America. Yeah, and well, she didn't go to the uh, New York Times editorial board meeting. But uh, the, <laughs> okay. yeah, so it's also that. But it's like, uh, even if you wanted to, the. To, um, that like they don't even agree on policies. Like Klobuchar is mm. moderate, Warren is not more, more radical. Uh, all these other things, uh, they put it as if there was ever time to be open to new ideas, it is now. If there were ever a time to stick stability, now is it. So no, there's nothing more stable than having two presidents. Uh, that's why we're endorsing the most effective advocates for each approach, that being the pragmatic centre and the idealist out. They are Elizabeth Warren and Abe Klobuchar. I just think it's like the New York Times editorial board have sat around and go like, oh, you think out there, out there, American public, think it's progressive to think a woman should be president? Yeah. Well, we think two women should be. Yeah, yeah we'll, what do we'll you double got up. Now? Yeah, exactly right. Next, we're going to endorse three candidates. Yeah. Uh, and like, I also, you know, they could also have gone, you know who would really make a good president? Who's that? The girl reading this. <laughs> <laughs> James, yeah, that's I mean, how I would have thought. Obviously, completely patronising to women, just be like, "Well, any woman will do." Yeah, and uh, if they think Elizabeth Warren's going to beat Trump, they're absolutely high. Uh, all right, there we go. All right, uh, now, Pete, you saw something about the Extinction Rebellion yeah. this week. So, the UK Guardian reported on Monday that the City of London Police labelled Extinction Rebellion one of its key threats. Key threats in a counterterrorism assessment and provided awareness training as a result of that. They, uh, this included uh, including them in anti-radicalisation materials alongside violent far-right groups and jihadist groups. Now, the City of London does not... Uh, they said, they came out and said, we do not consider Extinction Rebellion to be a terrorist organisation. However, various teachers and other people that get that anti-radicalisation training yeah. have said, no, but you mentioned it in my training. <laughs> Specifically. <laughs> so we felt like we wanted to tell the City of London police, yeah. guys... You I just think if, you, if you work in counterterrorism and you tell people look out for extinction rebellion, yeah. it's kind of implicitly saying that they, you know you think that they're terrorists. Yeah, because yeah. otherwise, why would you bring them up? Yeah, yeah, exactly right. And we're telling them that yeah. you don't have anything to worry about. Yes, they're going to hit you over the head with a celery stick. Well, here's the thing. So, Daily Mail article a few days ago, there was an extinction rebellion protest where in Melbourne, where all of the protesters literally buried their heads in the sand. Exactly right. I think we'll be okay. We're going to be okay. There was one caption on a photo which said the colourful demonstrators sung there was a climate crisis with the assistance of ukuleles and other instruments. If the worst thing I have to fear from extinction rebellion is a ukulele attack, I think I'll be okay. Exactly right. And as I was, I'll I was, be slightly annoyed, but I'll be okay. Some ukulele music can be quite good. Uh, outside of the nation of uh, outside the state of Hawaii, no. 
blanket no. The only examples I have are Hawaiian. But yes. the, the, the other thing, and I'll say this every time we talk about Extinction Rebellion. Yep. Last October in, in Melbourne, Extinction Rebellion did a nudie run to save the climate. Oh, for the Josh, guy. roll the tape. Every- Extinction Rebellion protests enter their sixth day. The activists are trying to pressure the Australian government to take serious and effective action against climate change. As you can tell... That was not a nudie run because they were wearing oh, clothes. God, we, we get have, it. We have nothing <laughs> to fear from these people. Show. Nothing to fear. <laughs> oh, God. The only thing I have to fear is that clip being shown again. Uh, the other part for me, so like, you can look at it from two perspectives. It's either one that the City of London police are lowering the bar of what constitutes a terrorist or the other way would be like maybe terrorism is lowering the bar themselves because I don't know if you saw this photo okay. uh, but or the people out there listening uh, saw this photo of uh, ISIS leader and you don't need to see a photo when it's called this but the captured photo in Iraq of ISIS leader Jabba the Jihadi <laughs> over the weekend uh, and to give people a taste if they still don't quite get the idea mm. they couldn't fit him in a police car because he was too big so they needed to get a truck he's a big boy yeah he's a big boy so maybe just like well you know we got to look at someone and we can't look at Jabba the Jihadi anymore. So maybe Extinction Rebellion are terrorists. Yeah, well, there you go. Yeah, uh, that's something to think about. All right. So the last thing we want to talk about on the show is uh, sports sports. Now, this yep. is something that's been dominating uh, Australian political media this week. It is uh, Senator McKenzie, the Deputy Nationals Leader. She oversaw a controversial $100 million sports Ooh. fund, which auditors found was used to dole out money to marginal electorates ahead of last year's general election. So you've got a marginal electorate, they've got a local sports club. They might be given a little bit of money. And it's just, uh, sweet, just, sweet coin. just remember who did this for you. Just remember who did this for you. Uh, the most egregious one I saw was uh, she gave a $35,980 grant to the Wangaratta Clay Shooting Club in Victoria without publicly declaring that she was or is a club member. What do they that do? would come up. Yeah. What, what does a shooting club need 35K for? Yeah, more clay pigeons. <laughs> Never enough. Uh, yeah. Now, Pete, uh, I understand this story really spoke to you. It did speak to me, James, and I'm glad you brought this up because, as you know, yes. and as the listeners know, I play for a cricket club called the Deaners. Mm. Mighty Cricket, Mighty Deaners. <laughs> mighty Cricket. <laughs> so I'm struggling already. Mighty Cricket, Mighty Deaners yeah. is a great slogan. This is why we need your help, Bridget. Uh, so, my cricket club, the Mighty Deaners, need your help, Bridget McKenzie. We've only won two games. and Out of? About, oh, geez, you put me on the spot, like nine? Okay, so it's not, last. it's not two. We're sitting last. <laughs> And we're going to get relegated unless we win a few games. Our two international players have gone home. Oh, no. Socks. Socks. I am across the datas. That is bad. That's a bad sign. Uh, And we're knee deep in a relegation dogfight. Now, we know that you love splashing the cash in marginal electorates. Kuyong is where the Deaners are located. Uh, That was my first question. Is the Deaners in a marginal seat? Well, you know that... What's his name? Julian Burnside got 21,000 votes at the last election. Kuyong is becoming a marginal seat because uh, rich people love climate change uh-huh. and woke rich people love nothing more than feeling good about themselves but what they do love more than that Bridget is that they love awesome cricket facilities for Cecilia and little Herbert and they love giving money to get a brand new bar called the Bridget McKenzie bar <laughs> bridge for short bridge for short uh, now I know you're like only giving money to sports is clubs the pro- is the thing holding back the data is the lack of a bar <laughs> no we've got a bar <laughs> just, we'll just name it after you alright uh, oh, uh, I was like I think the money can be put into training <laughs> Yeah, 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 maybe. And uh, so I know you like giving money to sports clubs that you're connected to. So, Bridget, I'm offering you a position on the Deaners Committee, a very prestigious committee, opens doors all over town, particularly the Hayes Paddock uh, Bar. Yeah. Uh, if you can give us, Hotel. give us a little bit of that sweet, sweet coin. So, um, 
if you don't, you know, help us soon, Bridget, we'll have to get Bolt to play, and that will be. I'm the even offer everything. The offer to be your coach for a week still stands. See what I mean? We need the money. The offer to be a coach. Would you also accept sports rewards from Julian Burnside? Because you say that's another player in the field. I don't know if you can be picking winners at this stage. We accept all kinds. If Julian Burnside wants to get behind the Dana's, yep. then the we Bernie can Bart. do it. What's that? The Bernie Bar. Bernie Bar, yeah, that's fine. That's fine. We'll serve, you know, I don't know, whatever Julian likes to eat. All right, balls in your court, Bridget McKenzie. Uh, you can speak to me directly as the Dina's uh, PR manager. Uh, that is it for the show this week. Thanks again to Dr. Anthony Dillon and Dr. Bella DeBerra. I don't think we disgraced ourselves talking to high esteem academia. I think, I think we uh, kept things up. Um, we're talking mainly about cricket and drinking at the <laughs> end. Uh, that is it for the show. Thanks again to all you people listening. If you are listening through iTunes, make sure you leave us that five-star review. Uh, you know, you can do, even do the subscribe and unsubscribe at us up through the ratings. I know all the ways you can do this. Uh, if, and we're also available on YouTube and Facebook, so I'm waving to the people on there. So if you do prefer the podcast through there, if you know people who would like the show and they would prefer their podcast through that, make sure you're letting them know about it. Mm. If I miss anything? No, that's it. Oh, I expect to say thanks to Josh. Saul's away on leave at the moment, so thanks, Josh, for helping us out. Thank you, Josh. All right, see you guys next week. See ya.